Welcome to Financial Fridays. I'm Bob Gustafson, a certified financial planner and the owner of the Triton Financial Group. Each episode is an excerpt from my radio show, The Financial Focus, where we answer questions from our listeners. Our goal is to help you increase your financial knowledge through these conversations of 10 minutes or less. So, Steve, uh, one of the questions we get a lot on the show, and from my clients in general, we, you know, um, um, reverse mortgages. What are they? How do they work? The whole nine yards. They have a lot of bad connotations to them when these products first came out. They were really expensive. People didn't utilize them in the right way, and there were some all kinds of problems. So I was hoping we could bat this around for the listeners because, you know, a reverse mortgage can be a pretty good idea for people in the right set of circumstances. So I figured we could talk about that for a little while. Sure, absolutely. So, and being I'll be 61 years old uh, next month. Oh, you why, almost qualified. I, I almost qualified. You're a year away from qualification. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, this is a good time to, to, to talk about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, it's something that kind of got a bad reputation, um, certainly because some lenders abused it. Um and, you know, again, it was not used in the right purposes. And just like any, any like product, anything. it can be, you know, misused and abused. But certainly when that happens to the elderly, why, you know, it becomes a bigger issue and a concern. And as it should be. Over, over the years. But uh, it's interesting, as I was reading up on, on reverse mortgages, I guess they started out in 1989 mm-hmm. um, during the Reagan administration as a, you know, again, it's a, this is a government program. This is a government program that is meant to help seniors, you know, to continue to live and actually be a service to the government because by using the equity in their home to maintain their lives, they're not dragging on government resources, mm-hmm. you know. Is, so that's kind of the, the thought and the idea that this would be helpful to seniors and, again, be a good benefit to the, to the, to, to the country because, again, they don't need to tap into – government uh, help and, and things like that. So, um, but, you know, the, the basic of the reverse mortgage and, and over the t- over years, you know, it's been improved. So some of these things that were problems. Dramatically. That, dramatically. So, um, but, you know, to people that really don't know or understand what it is, a reverse mortgage is simply being able to borrow against the equity you have in your home without making any payments. Right. So and what that- happens is the loan just... It grows. I mean, it, the loan, the loan amount just grows. Mm-hmm. So, and you, obviously, you have to be over sixty-two years old. One of the big issues that you know until recently was fixed was a lot of times. You know, maybe the husband was sixty-two and the wife was maybe she was twenty-three. I don't know, but uh, oh, probably, with any luck, probably, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But say the wife was sixty years old sure. and you couldn't. The spouse could not be on the application. And you had to be 62 years or old. Or on the deed. Or and on the deed. And that's where the, the, the problems really came right. in for so, some folks. So what happened was if um, the husband passed away, then the wife, because she wasn't on the deed, because she wasn't allowed to be, because she wasn't 62, the wife didn't have rights to the property. And the and wife out the stay. door she went. And out the and door she went. And that's where a lot of the problems came in. That's that a lot was of terrible. Problems. It was yeah. terrible to see that. Yeah. So they fixed that. So now if you are a non, well, they would call a non-borrowing spouse, you're not on the loan, you are on title, and you do, if you were married and you remained married and you still live in the property and you still maintain it, that spouse can live in the house until she passes away. 
Wow. So that was... I did not know that. Yeah, that's that was one, one big change. Um, I do very few, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, most of my clients are fairly well-to-do, so we use these things a little bit more technically than other folks might, and I'll share with you some of the things that we've been doing. Right. But that's that's great. That's really good to know. So there were two big issues when when reverse mortgages first came out, what you were talking about, and then there was also the origination fees were through the roof. It was extremely expensive. <clears throat> Nonetheless, when it worked right, it was still a good deal for people, but it was incredibly expensive because of the origination fees, the insurance policy that needs to be tied to it that the borrower has to pay. Yes. And I think, you know, and then, of course, the lender got their piece as well. Oh, yes. You know, so it was really like four points. I think back in the day, because I used to work at Wells Fargo, and at that time they did reverse mortgages. And my recollection was that, um, you know, it was pretty much 2%, two, two points to FHA and two points to the lender was kind of the norm. Plus, you have to pay the monthly Steve, you never sold reverse mortgages and got old ladies thrown out of their houses, did you? I did not, no. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. Um, But, and that's, you know, so the second part is that, you know, I think why, honestly, why Wells Fargo stopped doing reverse mortgages is because there's no payments, but you have to pay your taxes and insurance. And what happened was people, you know, again, if it was, they were struggling, they would not pay their taxes and insurance, and you have to upkeep the house. You can't let the house turn into a dump because, so, because then the house, you're obviously from a lender standpoint or the government standpoint, that that's, house, their, that, that's their, their equity exactly going down the drain. So what happened, you know, I know what happened was lenders would, instead of foreclosing, which they were required, really required to do, they would just pay the taxes and insurance and just the loan amount would continue to go up. They would pay them for them. And then finally... FHA said, you can't do that. You have to foreclose. So, you know, again, Who lender, wants to- lender doesn't want, you know, particularly Wells Fargo at the time with several other issues, mm-hmm. doesn't want, you know, that. Yeah, Wells Fargo's had a few issues, over, had a few issues. over the years. Yes, they have. Um, so, you know, they said, we're out. You know, we don't want to do that. So now another way to protect is if the buyers, if the borrowers have not great credit, they are required to set aside money to pay their taxes and insurance and maintenance on the property. So it's another way that's another protection that's been put in to prevent, because again, there's no mortgage payment, but you still have to pay your taxes. And you keep still the have house to pay up. And keep so the what house do they do, Steve? Do they create, you know, so instead of being able to borrow, say 50%, they let you borrow 20% yeah. and then the other 30 goes into a slush fund that you can't touch or. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure how okay. that works, but I do. I mean, and the amount of cash out, you know, you used to be able to get more, a higher mm-hmm. loan to value cash out than you do now. So it's more restricted. And again, as a Got way it. to control, um, way to control, you know, not Defaults. being underwater. Defaults. Yeah. And, and so, so that, that's been a big plus as well. Um, and of course, you know, I, I think the big issue that people are concerned about is they think that, you know, the government owns their property. It, it's it's a mortgage just like any other mortgage. You take out a mortgage. Obviously, the amount's going to go up over time, but you take out a mortgage, but you still have title to the house. Mm-hmm. You still, as long as you live in the house as your primary residence, then, you know. Right. And you, the way, it, the, the, way the, <clears throat> the models are supposed to run, the corridor between the loan amount and the growth and value of the real estate, you actually, when you figure price increases into it, 
you're supposed to grow a little bit more on the price increase than you actually pay, so you don't end up underwater. So this still is something generally yeah. at the end. Yeah, they can they can go under. Oh, absolutely. And we've seen it, and yep. that's what the insurance policy is for, is to pay the lender, if memory serves me correctly with that insurance policy. Yes. Um, I mean, just like just like FHA for regular mortgages, there's an insurance fund. Oh, the PMI, the right? P- I mean, well, on an FHA mortgage, you pay an upfront fee, you know, with UMIP, which is 1.75% of the loan amount. So that fee is at closing is rolled into your loan. You don't have to pay it out of pocket, but it's rolled into your loan. So that is an insurance fund. And then they charge a monthly premium as well. Mm-hmm. So it's the same with a reverse mortgage is there's an upfront fee, which is 2%. Now, what makes it ch- still chunky is that it's 2% of the appraised value, not the loan amount, because you could actually decide to take out nothing. You could have, you could true, you, you know, usually they do, somebody does take out a, an amount, but it's based on the, the appraised value and not the loan amount. So, you know, if you so were, if you got a million dollar home, it's 20 grand, 20 grand up front. And mm-hmm. then the monthly fee is 0.5% of the loan amount. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's still, it's not cheap, but you know, it's really not much different than an FHA loan on a regular purchase as well. Well, and they can work. I, I here's some of the more creative, mm-hmm. obviously people who run out of money, Right, and they have access to no other access with cash flow. A reverse mortgage is a great thing in that sense. But there's some other ways to use these things. I've had clients do a reverse mortgage on their home here and pay cash for something in Florida. Yep, absolutely. And you've got no mortgage yes. on your house here or the house in Florida. You've got to pay the taxes, insurance, and upkeep on both properties. But it's, a, it's, an, it's an effective way to leverage the money that you have without having to pay monthly. In in the beginning, it was definitely, you know, 99% of it was for low-income people that were struggling to stay in their house and wanted to stay in their house. That was what it was for. But you are absolutely correct that it can be used in a variety of ways, and people are using it as a, for lifestyle. Again, purchase a second home, do, you know, be able to use that, and you've got no payment. I mean, right. Uh, Steve, you could, you could theoretically, you could, you, could, you could use this as a situation where you could flip properties in your retirement years use the money out from from underneath your own home yeah you're not paying it back you could it's not, you, there's quite a few things people are using these for right it's now it's not tax it's not taxable it's it's you know it's from what it's not doesn't affect your social security uh doesn't affect your I forget which social security uh it might affect medicaid but it it might it, affect medicaid i don't think it affects uh social security or yeah. in those ways so um so my aunt actually did it she lived in new jersey had a house worth a lot of money she didn't have a lot of, you know didn't have a lot of money herself and wanted to stay in her home and successfully got one when she was in her early 70s and you know ended up moving into a mm-hmm. facility maybe in, at 90 so it, so it worked, it worked really out. well for I, and i really i well. did one um for my uh for my wife's uncle and he was kind of living in close to poverty, yeah. and it really helped him in the last years. I was so happy to be able to help him and do that because right. he was a nice guy. Yeah. And he ended up having a, having a decent car to drive around, fix some holes in the roof, you know, things like yeah. that. It worked out really well. They can work well. You just got to be careful and be smart when you do it. The hardest part, honestly, when it comes to reverse mortgages <clears throat> is the, the whole family dynamic yes. that, that <clears throat> can be involved there because you got – some children who will say, hey, you know, if mom and dad do a reverse mortgage, that's, uh, 
there's our inheritance going out the window, which is a very unfortunate way to think, and I've had that, I've run up against that a few times in the past. And then you got the opposite, right? Where you got yes. people saying, oh, dear God, yes. please. Mom, yeah, keep mom and dad in their, <laughs> please keep mom and dad in their home, oh, because oh, otherwise they're moving in with us. Oh, and, they're moving <laughs> in with us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it, it is, um, and again, the other part of it, too, is there's, counsel, you know, protecting el- uh, seniors, there's counseling involved. So, Everybody, I mean, and not just like a Zoom meeting, although probably they had them over COVID, but um, there's counseling required with an independent third-party agency that does the homebuyer counseling. So everybody knows exactly what they're getting into. They're not getting a sales pitch from their loan officer or, you know, whomever. So um, there's a lot of protections built in, but yeah, you know, the family dynamic is a very, you know, interesting piece of it because you really... Usually, it's not just mom and dad. You know, it's family who are involved, want to be involved in the process, which they should to understand it themselves. Absolutely. And then, you know, you got to get everybody on board. And sometimes some are on board and others aren't. And, uh, you know, it makes it difficult to come to a decision as a family um, about, you know, whether they want to move forward or not. And, you know, the other part, too, is there's all different options. You know, you can take a, you know, there's no payment, but, you know, you can take a lump sum. You can take uh, like a equity line of credit. You can just draw a certain amount of amount uh, out per month. Um, you can pay these off, and you know pay them off anytime you want and start over. Um, so there's just a lot of flexibility. You know, you just have to be you have to be very careful. You know, another uh, another <clears throat> thing I've seen people doing is people pull money out, they do the reverse mortgage, and they throw the money in the stock market. Well, that's a little dangerous, right? Because you can certainly, as we know, where we are right now, the stock market doesn't always go up. No. In fact, four years out of ten, you might might have a downtrend, right? So you got to be very careful when embarking upon those kind of strategies. But reverse mortgages, in my experience, can be a very good thing. But like anything, you've got to use the right tool for the right job. Yeah. And there are some limits now on how much money you can take out the first year. So I think in the beginning, you know, they would just get maxed out immediately. Um, and, you know, that would add to, um, you know, being underwater, you know, it's maxed out immediately. So now there's some controls on how much you can take out. But, you know, the other, you know, misconception is that, you know, and it happens, as we said, you know, what happens if, you know, the house is worth $600,000 and the, the, Reverse mortgage is eight hundred thousand dollars. Am I going to be stuck as an heir? Am I going to be stuck with paying the balance? And the answer nope. is no. All you can, all you have, have to do is you know, sell the house or surrender the house, and it doesn't matter how much greater the balance is compared to the value of the house. Um, you're not on the hook for anything. So that's why the government has controls on how much they'll lend. You know, based on your age. Um, so, you know, that's not a problem. You're never going to owe more than what, what the balance is. And there, I actually read something where if you want to keep the house, even if it's underwater, if an heir wanted to keep the house, they only have to pay 95% of the appraised value. So oh. if for some reason, you know, and again, of course, in today's world, I can't imagine too many properties being underwater. But, you know, if... Not right now, anyway. But pro- give it time, Steve. Yeah. If the property, you know, the balance was five hundred thousand, and the property appraised for four hundred thousand, those heirs could buy that house for ninety-five percent of four hundred thousand. So, ah. you know, well, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, 
because you know why bide if it's underwater? But right. You know, I didn't. I was not aware of that. Yeah. That, so that's, uh, that's, that's that's a that's a, that's a newer thing. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't heard of that. But then again, I, I'm not in a position to use very many of these <laughs> in, with with these kind of stipulations. Right. I don't. These are not even thoughts for most of the folks that that I work with. That's mm-hmm. really good to know because mm-hmm. a lot of people. Geez, you know, we were kind of wanted to leave the house to the children, so on and so forth. So this is another way that. <clears throat> Some of those things might be done. I'm surprised that there hasn't been a uh, um, a private market for these yet. Oh, there, I am, I, I'm not familiar with the private market, but yet, thank you for bringing it up. Because right now, the maximum value of a home so there is nine seventy eight hundred, mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty high. Yeah. But if, if I guess if a house appraised for more than that, it wouldn't be eligible for the FHA program. Oh. So there are portfolio based. Um, reverse mortgages that can go up to two million, four million. I mean, so there are, is a market out there. Are they regulated in the same not way? As, not okay, as much. so it's more it's, it's more wild west. More wild west. Okay, yes, but you can, you know, um, actually, I think so. The the maximum age in, or minimum age in Massachusetts is sixty for the portfolio based non FHA reverse mortgages and um, loan proceeds. The maximum for loan proceeds is two million in Massachusetts. Hmm. So, yes, not as regulated, um, but you know, in cases where the house is worth more, you and again, you could have again if you're dealing with higher wealth clients, they would may have a you know their parents may have a house worth well over the maximum for FHA, and there would be potential there to use it again for maybe some lifestyle decisions mm-hmm. uh, along those lines, but less regulated. So you just want to be careful um, about what you're doing there. Yeah, but it's, I mean, as, and as time goes on, I suspect there's going to be more and more opportunities, more and more lenders will step into the fray and be more competitive driving down origination costs and insurance costs. Hopefully over time, <laughs> this becomes a, a very standardized product in the same way a traditional mortgage is. Yeah, there's not a lot of lenders that do it. Um, and I, you know, I think it's just, the amount of volume versus, again, you know, gosh, I don't want to be involved in, you know, a bad article about foreclosing on an elderly client. But, um, you know. I think you, that, Steve? No, no. <laughs> Envision- you seem kind of like a cutthroat guy to me. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, you know, it can happen because you do have to pay your taxes and insurance and you do have to maintain the property. Thank you for joining us today on our Financial Fridays podcast. I hope you found the information useful, and if so, feel free to share this podcast with people who may benefit from the topics discussed. Subscribe by visiting our website at financialfridays.com.